is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. When Roseanne returned in 2018, it was an immediate hit. But after star Roseanne Barr made racist comments on social media, ABC quickly canceled the series. Out of the ashes came The Connors, which was also an immediate hit. But star and executive producer Sarah Gilbert said the decision to keep it going wasn't an easy one. I think, yeah, we were all scared. You know, it was definitely a risk to come back, and we didn't know how it was going to go. We didn't know how the reviews were going to go, and... You know, I remember starting to read reviews, I think right before it aired, and we were on set, and we started seeing all these, like, great reviews, and we just thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, we feel we, we pulled it off somehow. On this edition of the podcast, we talk to Sarah Gilbert about the Connors, and we also explore her favorite TV moment ever, the landmark Family Ties episode, A My Name is Alex. It's my favorite episode. Welcome to Variety's My Favorite Episode. Let's give it up for your host, Michael Schneider. Thank you, DJ Omar Khan, for the new theme song. It's My Favorite Episode. And this time out, we're talking to the Connors star and executive producer, Sarah Gilbert. Her pick for favorite episode is the hour-long, very special Family Ties episode from season five, titled A My Name is Alex. Written by series creator Gary David Goldberg and Alan Uger, and directed by Will McKenzie, the episode first aired on March 12, 1987. In this episode, Alex's friend Greg is killed in a car accident, leading to Alex's survivor's guilt that he was supposed to be in that car as well. Eventually, he sees a therapist, and the episode morphs into a stage play as Alex recounts his life and the people in it. I mean, there's got to be a reason. Some master plan in which Greg's dying and my living makes sense. What do you think? The analytical side of me says no. On a straight, cost-efficiency basis, you can't prove it. There's no annual report. There's no pictures at the board of directors. And, 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 and there's a lot of things that just cannot be accounted for. But then there are these miraculous things. Phenomena of nature. Like mountains and oceans and skippy getting dressed by himself. <laughs> and, and, and you gotta think that somebody's helping out with that. The answer is yes. I do believe in God. But not a mean, not a mean, angry God. Like, like the God you see on TV. Always, you know, the preachers and, 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 and always asking you to send them money. And not a groovy God. Like Mallory's God. Matching sweatpants and headband. <laughs> And not a God like Brother Timothy's God either, because I just can't believe that God made me stay away from girls. 
If he did, he wouldn't have made me so cute. <laughs> the two-part episode was heavily promoted at the time and won the 1987 Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series. It's still remembered today for breaking the sitcom form. For Gilbert, she also remembers well watching the episode and the lasting impact it had on her. Coincidentally, the Connors showrunner Bruce Helford was working on Family Ties that season, and the two of them have discussed that very episode and how they might try something similar now on the Connors. We sat down with Gilbert to discuss that Family Ties episode, as well as the tough transition from Roseanne to the Connors, and also her decision to leave her CBS daytime talk show, The Talk. But first, we discussed the brand new news that she and veteran producer Tom Werner are forming their own production company called Sarah and Tom. Because, uh, you know, I do want to start off with the breaking news, Sarah yes. and Tom. So uh, you and Tom Werner, um, yeah. you know, give me kind of the background on, on how you started talking about getting together and, and doing a production company together. It just happened really organically. I think, you know, starting with me coming to him originally wanting to reboot Roseanne and and then moving on together to the Connors and um, other ideas started coming up and started developing some other things and almost like the choice was made for us. It yeah. just things kept coming in and we work so well together and have such great chemistry and really see eye to eye and so it's it just felt like a natural extension of what we were already doing yeah yeah i mean it's funny when you think about the the fact that you, you both of you have worked together for for so many years but i mean you were a child on roseanne exactly. when you two first met so to you know grow up in this industry and then event, and of course at the time carsey werner was the biggest independent production entity in the world yeah. I and mean, there's nothing to compare it to so in some ways you got to sort of see that firsthand and, and uh, that must have been an excellent education to see how he and marcy handled things and and learn from them and how you run a production company yeah it's just incredible to see an independent production company like that in studio you know they're a studio yeah have so many hit shows and it's just a total dream come true to be able to try to make content with part of that team from back when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And shouldn't he be just busy like with the the Red Sox or, or you know, he's he's, I know, he's right? such a busy businessman everywhere else. Uh, he's, he's an incredible businessman. It's like he, you know, everything he touches sort of turns to gold. He's yeah. just really quite a, got a, quite a brain on him. So what's what is the plan? I mean, give me sort of the the idea of of the kinds of things that you and you and Tom want to work on together. Well, I think I, I'm a big. I'll speak for myself, but but I know he shares my interests. I, I'm a big fan of television and content in general that walks a line between comedy and drama. Yeah. So things that are funny, but when you don't expect it really, you know, can bring you to tears. Yeah. I, I like that because I feel that's what life is like. And we use comedy to cope with, you know, tragedy in our lives. And and then in funny times, things happen that suddenly move you. And, and so I just, I, it, to me, it's more true to life to have that blend. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's been the cornerstone. I mean, obviously of Roseanne back in the day and, and now the Connors as, yeah. as well. And and if anything, TV has evolved where the line has blurred. 
between yeah. comedy and drama. So it's kind of a good time to, to you know, be working on projects like that. Exactly. And I, for me, something's not really funny unless it has some weight or gravitas to it. That's, you have to be invested in the conflict or the drama in order to have a true laugh. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a sign of the times? Do you think that's always been the case? or? I think that's probably always been the case. I mean, of course, there is sketch comedy or things that are more arch that are funny. But in terms of sustaining something week to week that is serialized, that's really interesting content, I think that it's, in general, always better when it walks the line. I mean, look at MASH. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, and and all those, you know, Norman Lear comedies from the 70s. Yeah, look at Cheers kind of has that balance. And, you know, I mean, so many of our best shows have that yeah well that's a perfect segue to to lead into your favorite episode the one that you chose so and and you know it's funny i think about this episode every once in a while it just pops into my mind i think everyone remembers watching a my name is alex uh the 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 famous uh family ties episode from Mm -hmm. 1987 because it was so different it was such a departure from what you saw on sitcoms at the time um you remember watching it at the time I do. I mean, I remember that it was an event. There weren't going to be commercials, and it was so publicized. And it was really back at the in the time where there were only a few stations. Yeah. And so when something big happened on TV, everyone knew it, and it really was a true event, yeah. not the way we talk about it now, where an event is like maybe eight percent of people watching tv yeah. or watching it but know? it's like when it got a close-up in the tv guide you knew this was a big it was deal big and and so i do have a vague recollection of watching it but i watched it again recently when this came up because yeah. i remembered it being so poignant but i couldn't remember the details well because i was so young when it first aired yeah and i was just so moved by exactly what what I was saying I think makes great content and great television is here was a sitcom, a family sitcom that took the death of a friend of one of the lead characters and turned it into an episode where he psychologically explores himself yeah, and whether there's a God and his guilt over surviving and who he is as a human being and if he's selfish. And I mean, all these questions that you would say, you know, if you think in cliche, we can't do that on a sitcom. We can't do that in a comedy. And the way they break the form, you know, just it's it turns into a play. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, to think back, uh, you know, because I think we're spoiled now. You know, comedy, television in general has, has become so much more sophisticated. But to think back to 1987... When you know the the, the the not you know sitcoms were pretty frivolous for the most part. I mean yeah. they were funny, they were fine, it but was they feel good. Yeah, the, TV. they weren't tackling, or if they were, they they were kind of like superficially tackling big issues. Mm-hmm. The, the the special, uh, very special episodes. Kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. So this this felt really out of the norm, and and in some ways signaled a new era of comedy. I mean, this is a year before Roseanne came on the air, yeah. which you know, by the way, your show changed things so much in terms of a sitcom where was that was talking about real people and real issues and late 90s i think finally the pendulum swung but there was a period of time in the 80s where comedy felt really light yeah 
it did. And I think, you know, it's like escapist kind of television. And yeah. I understand it. It's, it's like sometimes you want to just put on something mindless that is like eating a candy bar. Sure. But in terms of making great content that moves things forward, you know, it has to make you think a little bit and make you feel a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So going back to that episode, um, you know, it was it was uh, you know a showcase, obviously, for Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder that, you know, he was such a great comedic talent. I yeah. mean, he still is, obviously. I yeah. don't mean to talk to him about it in past tense. But in the 80s, he was the icon. Yeah. I mean, this is after Back to the Future had come out and he was a superstar, but he was still doing his sitcom at the same yeah. time. Um, so so he's fantastic. But he's fantastic. And he's so relatable it's like his character borders on arch like it's so extreme how conservative he is and consumed with himself and consumed with money but he has this ability to still be relatable it's sort of like i think lisa kudrow does this really well where her characters are pushing the envelope of real life and same with laurie Metcalf. but you somehow you're still relating to their humanity even though they're pushing the envelope and sort of breaking the rules as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch Family Ties uh, when you were a kid? Or? I did. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah? What was uh, what was your TV diet in the 80s? Oh, I think it was, you know, probably a lot of Carsey Werner shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like watching all their stuff <clears throat> and A Different World and watching Cosby at the time, watching Family Ties, yeah. watching Silver Spoons, watching Cheers, a little bit of like reruns of Taxi and, you know, yeah, that was a little before my time, but, you know, you'd catch some reruns of MASH. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It was sort of a golden age of, of that kind of, you know, like escapist comedy, yeah. just fun half hour, uh, you know, facts of life. Exactly. Uh, you know, all, all I watched those. that. Golden Girls I watched. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. <laughs> there was, I mean, and the thing is, it was back in the era where, you know, you watched with your family and, mm-hmm. and you know, everyone sort of watched the same half hour. Yep. So it had oh, to hit. Wonder Years. Wonder Years, yeah. yeah. That was great. Yeah, which again was around that time where comedy was starting, I think, to get a little more a little deeper. sophisticated yeah. again. Uh, so, so uh, you know, and, and Family Ties, this episode kind of bridges that gap. Uh, you know, there are signs in this episode that it's still you know, an 80s sitcom. Mm-hmm. The thing that bugs me the most about this episode is we had never seen his best friend before. Right. And that always bugged me because I felt like, you know, I, I wanted to be more invested in, you know, the death of his friend. And I feel like I would have if I'd seen the guy before, but they kind of sprung this guy on us. Yeah, I felt that too. I couldn't remember if we'd met him before, but when I was watching it, the character didn't feel like it had been established when yeah. I was watching it. It did feel like a little bit like, oh, okay, we've invented this for this episode. Yeah. But still, I'm like crying in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And especially when he's uh, talking to his, uh, you know, a psychiatrist, uh, yeah. you know, and, and really getting deep. But uh, yeah, it's kind of, it, it reminds me that it feels like in the 80s, it's still, you still couldn't like actually kill, kill off. Kill someone you know. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't going to kill Skippy. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it is. it certainly broke a lot of the form of the time, more than people even do now. So I guess we can't, you know, expect it to have, like, broken every single yeah. rule. 
Yeah, but but still, it's it's. Uh, have you do you talk to others about this episode? Uh, I talked to Bruce Helford about it, who is the showrunner on the Connors, yeah. and he was there when they made it. He was on the staff. Oh, he was on Family yeah. Time. Oh, that's that's yeah. I, so we've talked about it, and I was saying like it would be great this year to you know have some influence of that like yeah. in our season in one of the episodes and you know just to remember I mean our, like I said our show's not that far from that tone but just oh it's interesting not to do the same thing but something the how Alex P. Keaton is talking to uh, the therapist if there's a way to see all our characters talking yeah which I think we have a possibility, you know, I'm going to be vague, but yeah. but something where it's like loosely inspired. Break break the walls a little bit and do I'm s- not sure we'll break the wall, but like it will just get you'll get to see possibly like people's inner life in a certain way. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what's fun now about TV is it does feel like, you know, we were talking about those rules and, and, and you know, back in the day there were so many rules and it doesn't yeah. feel like there are anymore. Yeah, there are less rules. I mean, the thing that's hard is like when you start breaking the fourth wall, especially on a show like The Connors, like I don't really think we should because you don't want to break the audience's trust that this is a real family. Yeah. So somehow they got away with it in that episode, but it, it's it's almost magical to be able to get away with something yeah. like that on that kind of show. Yeah, yeah, it's like a one-time deal. Like a one-time deal. But, and I guess because you believe the therapist is on the other side, you're not exactly breaking the fourth wall. You're just not seeing the therapist. It's not like he's talking to the audience. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you feel also that, you know, in, in you know, watching the Connors, it, it does feel... It's it's slightly different from, you know, obviously TV has evolved, so you're not yeah. doing the same show you were doing with Roseanne in the 80s and yeah. 90s. Um, it seems like you can go a little deeper, uh, talk about things a little more openly. Um, you know, you dealt with issues on Roseanne, but mm-hmm. it feels like you're, you're going even further in on the Connors. Yeah, hopefully we are. You know, you want to honor the original show and then keep up with the times to some degree and I think we just naturally want to go deeper we've been making less episodes which has allowed us to make the show you know more serialized and have these really complete arcs which has been satisfying so I think we'll try to do that again even though it's a bigger probably a bigger order and you know yeah yeah do you know how many are you doing next season I don't think we have like the official yeah. Statement on it, yeah. But more than 10. Yeah, more yeah. than 10. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, the thing with uh, the Connors is you ended uh, not so much on a cliffhanger because we know Darlene is staying in, in, uh, in town and, and uh, you know, not moving to Chicago. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I felt kind of bad. I mean, I guess that's a statement on this is, you know, just Darlene's lot in life now. And, you know, you obviously need to have a show, so you can't move her to Chicago. Yeah. But nonetheless, what do you make of, of where Darlene is now and, and going into next season? Well, Darlene's interesting because she's really a balance for me between hope and sort of dash dreams. Mm-hmm. It's like the Connors are this middle class family that have trouble breaking the cycle and so in order to properly tell that story, which represents so many Americans, it's not like Darlene can suddenly go run a huge business and, you know, make tons of money. It's like there are so many smart, brilliant people 
that should be getting ahead that aren't able to in our country. So I think she represents that story. But she has a fighting spirit, and she's talented, and she's really smart. So, you know, there's always the possibility for her to move ahead some. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't feel like this is the end of her story. Exactly, exactly. Like, she will hopefully have some success over time you know yeah yeah and um you know and and of course you know the 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 question of her relationships i mean what is ultimately in the cards with with david and you know uh plenty that's been unresolved yeah that's unresolved for sure um and then the other thing that you guys are are hitting into uh and and assuming this will continue to next year is is immigration and, Mm -hmm. and ice and uh you know what uh what what happens there um, so, so there are yep. some, some plenty of, uh, Becky's having, she's pregnant with Emilio's baby and Emilio's been deported. So yeah, dealing with that, that's obviously something that people are dealing with in our country. And, you know, we never really take a huge political stance on anything. We're just telling the story that there are Americans facing, which is their families have been separated if one of them has crossed into the country illegally. Sometimes they're being deported. What happens when somebody's having a baby and the, one of the people in the family is not in the country? Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 timely. I mean, it's all timely. The some of the issues that you've been dealing with. Uh, what kind of notes do you get these days from the network? Uh, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a brand new regime over there. Yeah, it is. I mean, we don't we haven't gotten any notes yet from the yeah. new regime because we don't have a writers' room up yet. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it remains to be seen, but have you had remains a chance to, to... But, I mean, in the last group, even, it's always been so supportive, the last group, and then the new group that we're, you know, just starting to get to know seems, you know, incredibly open-minded, excited to hear where it's going, and, um, yeah, just all it's all been really positive. In a moment, Sarah Gilbert on Bring You Back the Connors from the Ashes of Roseanne and why she's leaving the talk. From Variety, this is my favorite episode. This is Daniel Holloway. Join me every Friday for TV Take, Variety's podcast about the television business. In every episode, we feature interviews with stars and showrunners from today's hit shows, as well as conversations with Variety journalists about the key TV headlines of the day. Subscribe or download to TV Take wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. It's my favorite episode. I'm Michael Schneider. On the Connors, Dan, played by John Goodman, and his family had to adjust to the death of family matriarch Roseanne and move on from there. But like many families in this country, they're struggling with all sorts of issues. Are you okay? Yes. Well, how well do you know this boy? Pretty well. Better now. (laughs) Look, I know you're mad at me, but I'm not stupid. I've heard everything you've said to me about sex since I was 11. Well, then why didn't you come to me? Did you tell your mom you were going to have sex? No, my mom relentlessly grilled me. That's why I didn't push you. I was waiting for you to talk to me when you were ready. So your big thing is that you want me to come to you with all my personal problems and stuff? And you won't judge me? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Okay, then we need to stop at a drugstore for a morning after pill because I'm worried that we used the condom wrong. I know I'm old enough to get the pill by myself, but... I'd feel better if you came with me. Who talks to their mom about that kind of stuff? <laughs> this wasn't the plan, of course, for evolving Roseanne, but ABC fired star Roseanne Barr last year after she made racist comments on Twitter. 
From there, the show's stars and producers had to decide whether they wanted to come back and how. You know, obviously, uh, under unusual circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure that there was a lot of like, okay, so how are people going to react to this? How are they going to, you know, deal with the change? And I think, yeah, we were all scared. You know, it was definitely a risk to come back. And we didn't know how it was going to go. We didn't know how the reviews were going to go. And, you know, I remember starting to read reviews I think right before it aired and we were on set and we started seeing all these like great reviews and we just thought wow yeah <laughs> you know we feel we we pulled it off somehow you know because yeah. it just felt like not an easy thing to do yeah yeah no it wasn't I, I gotta imagine it wasn't an easy thing to do um, I mean going back what was your feeling in terms of were you always on board on on moving on with the Connors or was there a part of you that said eh, maybe maybe we just move on or what was your kind of feeling about I it I think we all struggled with it yeah it just wasn't an easy decision to make on any level so I think a lot of a lot of the cast you know had a little tug of war in their mind and I did for sure yeah yeah and where did you uh, where did you end up? Uh, I mean, obviously the, the the show moved forward, but uh, what yeah. what convinced you? Well, we all ended up, you know, deciding to do it because any one of us said no, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, I what convinced me was I just felt that there were more stories to tell, and I wasn't, I didn't feel we were done telling them, and we have such a loyal, great audience and people who I feel need a voice and. And I felt we could tell those stories, you know, with a lot of heart and a lot of humor in a way that other shows don't. We have a specific way of doing it. Yeah. And it just was a shame to let that go. Yeah. What were those sort of, sort of like, were they texts? Were they emails? How were you all sort of uh, interacting with each other and, and sort of? Um, there were some texts, but there was more phone calls because it was obviously, you know, it was bigger yeah. than text. Yeah. Talking through everybody's feelings. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and uh, eventually it sounds like it also was cathartic for all, all of you to kind of get together. Yeah, I think it was. I think this last season was. Yeah. It was, we got to get out all of our feelings and our grief and our closeness and all of it kind of through the season. What do you make of reboot, remake culture in general? You know, last year it was the big news story. You know, everyone was being rebooted. Yeah. Murphy Brown came back. Uh, you know, all these shows came back. This year, uh, you know, Murphy Brown's gone. Um, you know, there aren't too many. A lot of the, the reboots that were in the works didn't happen. These, yeah. these are tough to pull off. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's it's like anything. It's like somebody makes an action movie and it's really successful and then everybody I mean that's a bad example because action movies are always successful but like you know whatever is the new genre people will follow I think if you're doing a reboot you just have to have something to say and a point of view and I think that's helpful like I don't think you can just make one and rely on the past necessarily mm -hmm. and then I think it's luck you know our show happened to be kind of timely in a way and that was just a stroke of luck yeah yeah now there seemed to be a reason for you all to come back yeah that's how it felt there was a reason and, and like I said that's just the luck of the draw so I wouldn't 
count out all reboots, but I would say like it, it definitely you have to have a voice and a purpose. Yeah, yeah, and a, and a reason, and not just do the same show again. Yeah, not just do the same show again. Yeah, because then you might as well watch the reruns. Yeah, yeah, because again, I, I I'm struck by how it's the same tone as the the, the '90s show, but yet it feels contemporary. That that's a hard oh, needle to thread. Good, that's good to hear. So, um. <laughs> Let's talk about your other big change. I mean, obviously, you departed uh, The Talk, which was a show that you created. So that must have been difficult as well. Yeah. I mean, I I made the announcement. I'm actually on until August 1st. Mm -hmm. So it but yeah, that was a very difficult decision. A lot of years in the making, I think, you know, knowing that I was going back into the Connors launching Sarah and Tom, the production company, I couldn't announce it yet when I was announcing my departure from yeah. the talk show. <clears throat> so that had already been in the works. That, that was, was in the, we were actually already working on it, but we just yeah. hadn't made the announcement yet. Yeah. Um, and then, like I was saying, then having three kids, it's like, there's just, there was no way for me to do the production company, the Connors, the talk show. I've been recurring on that show atypical Mm -hmm. it's like it was too much like something had to give and i've been lucky enough to do the talk show for nine years and so that felt like the right move is okay i've done that and i've fully explored it and now it's time to do other creative you know yeah ventures nine years is a long time it is so and that's that's uh, that's a big part of your life and that's also a show where you have to be very public yeah and you know, I'm sure that's a trade-off as well. It's true. There is some relief in thinking like, wow, if I go through anything in my personal life, now I don't have to talk about it. Yeah. You know? that, that's a, been a stretch for me because I've never been a very public person. So I, I think I put myself on the show to try to push the boundaries like that and grow spiritually and psychologically. But it's, I'm okay with letting that piece of it go. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there are times where I'm sure you just don't want to talk and, and you're kind of yeah. forced to because that's There's the job. There's times you have to make statements that you're, if you're thinking, well, if I wasn't on a talk show, I wouldn't have to address this or that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember we all had to watch uh, after the, the Roseanne situation just to see what you were going to say. And that was, that was I imagine, tough and, and how you had to kind of work around that on the show. Yeah. Um, and, and other former co-hosts of yours having to deal with their own as well. There are definitely days where you you're think this isn't the best day to be a talk show host, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but nonetheless, you pulled it off. Thank so, you. Um, so, so moving forward, you got the production company. We got the return of Connors. Uh, you know, what, what are you most excited about moving I've forward? Just, you know, I was just... Today, we were all emailing back and forth about possible story ideas for the Connors, and it was so fun just to be in that creative space. And then I read a script that somebody sent us for the production company, and I was driving here. And then yesterday, I got to shoot uh, my last episode of Atypical for the season. Mm -hmm. And did the talk show today. And I was driving here just thinking, I'm so excited. Like, I have so much creativity going on right now. And I've had years of my life that didn't feel like that. So I think that's what I'm most excited about is that ideas keep coming and opportunities keep coming. And it makes you feel really alive when you 
have this sort of interplay with the outside world where you're getting to create and you're getting responses back. Yeah, yeah. No, that's got to be interesting to, you know, be in this career where I'm sure there are lean years and then sort of when it rains, it pours. That's exactly it. And then when it rains, you're like, okay, take advantage, enjoy it, because you know it's going to go up and down. That's just how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember any piece of advice that uh, Tom Warner gave you over the years that uh, sort of stands out? Well, I just watch how he is with the world because he's so good with people. I think he he knows which battles to pick, and I've really watched him and kind of learned from that. Like, he knows when to give in to the group, even if it's something he's not crazy about, an idea he's not crazy about. So I've sort of taken his lead and learned a lot like that. Excellent. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to mention going back to uh, the, the Family Ties episode that we oh, didn't bring yeah. up. Um, have you ever worked with Michael J. Fox? No, I don't think we've worked together. I feel like I've met him, but I might have met him at a, like a charity event in New York. But no, I would love to work with him. Yeah. He's incredible. Did you ever bring up the uh, the episode? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, it's he he did an amazing job. Everybody involved really did an amazing job. So if they hear this, they yeah. can hear it here. Yeah, say hello to Justine Bateman and exactly. uh, everyone else. Everybody. Yeah, was awesome. Well, congrats, Sarah, on, on everything. Um, yeah, looking you. forward to the new season of The Connors. Thank and you. Uh, of course, so your final day on the talk is uh, August August first. Yeah. What uh, what's what's the big plan? Uh, any any sort of I, I assume it'll be a big celebration, a big farewell uh, bash. Yeah, it'll be a, a farewell. Probably I'll talk to the host. The host will talk to me. Hope have my family there. Yeah. I hope and um, the, I'd like to include the producers and the crew somehow and um, just kind of like honor everybody who's been a part of it and. Yeah, I think it'll be really sweet. I mean, I'm sure I will shed a lot of tears. Yeah, yeah. And on to new development at S&T, and then, of course, the new yeah. season of The Connors. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. Great Thank talking you. to you. That's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. And be sure to subscribe to My Favorite Episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.